Welcome to the Seller Roundtable e-commerce coaching and business strategies with Andy Arnott and Amy Wees. Hey everybody, how's it going? I am here with my friend Miro and we are going to talk about sourcing from Pakistan. But before we do that, hi Miro, how's it going? Every day is a beautiful dream. <laughs> I love it. Well, you know, you and I have just been keeping in touch like this whole time. Uh, we've been social media friends and I have so many awesome social media friends uh, in the e-commerce community. And it's so great because, you know, you learn something from all of them. And so I mentioned something the other day about, oh, I shared a, a story, uh, a podcast from my friend Robbie about sourcing from Mexico. And you posted on there that you source from Pakistan. And so I was like, oh, Miro, let's talk about it, you know, on, on a live because there's so many people that might think that that's an interesting opportunity. So thank you for being here. <laughs> no problem. Uh, no problem. Do you mind telling everybody a little bit about you and your journey in e-commerce and how we come to be talking today? Okay, sure. Uh, my name is Miro Pasvik. I own a uh, I own a supplement brand. And uh, what happened was I had like my background. I used to be a computer guy. I used to have a chain of check cashing stores. So I had a kind of a varied career. Um, so I got into e-commerce originally. Um, just I I found this. Well, let me kind of tell this rambling story. So one of my big passions is natural health and natural wellness, right? And there's this type of natural health called homeopathy, which I thought was really, really cool. And I always had problems finding quality remedies because what happens was the remedies are, like that you buy in the stores were never really that good. And, and I had a friend of mine brought some over from India and they were really good. I'm like, this is, this is the good stuff, right? Like this is the real deal. And um, I was like looking for the supplier and one of my friends uh, was a homeopath in Canada, and he's like, "I got," he goes, "I got a supplier from Pakistan that makes these, right?" So I sent him out, and they sent me some samples. That's kind of what started this relationship. So it started off as like a hobby for me, and I kind of morphed into a business, which is doing okay. And then I went deep into online with Amazon and Shopify and Walmart, and it just blew up. So it went from being a hobby to being like some interesting. To holy cow, I'm you know. I'm buying food with this stuff. So it's been great. That's awesome. Yeah. I, it's so great when a business starts based on something, some part, some necessity in your life or um, something that you need because it, it becomes like your lifestyle and your way to be able to help other people at the same time. Um, so it, I think it's a really great thing. So how long now have you, but have you had your, your supplement brand? Um, I've had it for almost 12 years. I got into online with it about six years ago when I kind of did the transition from like hobby kind of puttering to really trying to make a go of it. So really full-time about six years. Oh, wow. That's amazing. So how did you get started sourcing from Pakistan? Like, tell me about that. How did that happen? Well, it's really interesting because I hadn't done any import export in a long time. Like I did someone else like my early twenties and you know, I'm 50. So it's actually I'm 51 today. Today's my birthday. So all oh, y'all send really? me a present. You're, it is. You're, you're here with me on your birthday. Like Absolutely. I feel that's amazing. Thank you. Uh, no Happy problem. birthday. Thank you. So, um, 
what happened was I, I had found this supplier of, of these really amazing products, right? And and it's so interesting because I had done in, import export. I had no idea what I was doing. And so I just, I ordered my first shipment over. And it's so funny because here's some, you know, you meet somebody over the, over the internet, you send a couple emails back and forth, you have a Skype call, and then you wire them a bunch of money, right? And I don't care who you are. You're thinking, I am never seeing this money again, right? And they're like, yeah, we're doing your labels for you. I'm thinking, sure you are, right? And then like, it's still going on the boat. I go, it's not going on the boat. (laughs) (laughs) You know, you don't know what to expect. And I got the stuff in and, and what happened was, like, logistically, the level of the packaging, the artwork was very 1970s, right? So one of the things that we did that really blew up our business was just we repackaged the stuff to American standards with, um, I got, like, a $10,000 label printer. So we're really, like, that's really what turned us around was repackaging the stuff and rebranding it. But the quality of the product itself was just it's fantastic. Like, anything I need, I'll, like, hey, give me this, give me this. And they're just, like... So it's an amazing relationship with them. Um, a lot of nuts and bolts and stuff. Like what I find very interesting, and again, I'm doing, like I'm bringing in supplements, right? Is the process of importing something isn't as smooth and easy as they make it seem in all the courses. They're like, yeah, you get, a, <laughs> you get a customs broker and you just pay them and they handle everything. No, that's not how it is at all. I mean, I, I'm in supplements, so... I, every time my stuff comes in, I got to go to the FDA. I'm FDA registered, right? I have to get them like a 30 page document, and it's just, and it's like they inspect the stuff. Um, one year I had a shipment. So of, you're getting it inspected here in the US then? Um, what's happening is it's inspected there before it goes out. Then it comes in the US, there's a series of paperwork. And the problem is, like the FDA, like the customs inspectors, these aren't. Like you think someone's inspecting supplements to be like a someone that had a lab, was a lab work or something else. My last FDA inspector used to be a toll booth operator on the highway. Okay, and they made her into an FDA inspector. Like there's just you have to educate everybody along the way, and it's just but it's such a journey. Like everything, say the hard part, sending the money overseas. That's the easy part. Getting the stuff through and everything else is the tricky part. So how did you find this supply? You said, you know, you found this supplier of really great products, but how did you find suppliers and how do you recommend that other people, if they're looking to source any kind of product from Pakistan, what's the best way to find a supplier? Um, I found the supplier by just asking people I knew that were in this specific field. Like I was asking other homeopaths, hey, who, who do you guys use? Who has the best remedies? That kind of stuff. So I got a little bit of research and word of mouth. And the name of my supplier, just they kept coming up. Like, these guys are the top guys. Uh, they're one of the biggest guys in Asia. They do a great job. You know, big facility. Uh, ISO. Like, the ISO 9000 registration, that's a good one because that, that shows they're, they're, they're adhering to international standards, right? And it's funny. When I used to be a computer guy, I used to do ISO audits for people. So I know that it just, it's a big paper chase, but at least it tells you that people can at least do paperwork and follow instructions, right? Yeah. So, that- so ISO 9000, so asking for certifications. Right. Um, and then the other thing is what you said, Miro, that I really love is you said you asked around and you asked other homeopaths like, hey, who are you using? Where are you getting your remedies? And then this supplier kept coming up, right? 
the thing is, an ISO 9000, that's a, a worldwide certification. It's, it's worldwide recognized as a standard, right? So it's a good thing to look for. You should always, for anyone sourcing from anywhere, you should always ask your suppliers what certifications they have. And you should be familiar with the different certifications that are standard in your industry. So that's really, really good. A tip that I have for folks when you're looking for suppliers, something that Miro gave here is to ask around. But if you're wondering where similar products are made, go to the store, pick up the bottle on the shelf, read the back, see where it's manufactured, where it's distributed, you know, start making calls like this. Um, it was manufactured for Prime My Body LLC in Carrollton, Texas, right? But I bet that I could call these guys and say, hey, where's this product made? Where is it actually, this was manufactured for them, but who was it manufactured by? Um, and a lot of packaging will give you information about where something was manufactured um, and, you know, and by who, right? Sometimes it'll say manufactured by for this company. So don't be afraid to go out there and read labels, right? Because you might find where your, your supplies were made. So how did you go about, were you not nervous about just reaching out to this, this random supplier in Pakistan? And how did you go about kind of getting to know them better and, and vetting your supplier? Well, what happened is I made contact with uh, different suppliers of this type, uh, mostly in India. India's got a lot of this, a lot of these kind of guys, right? And the problem I had with, with the India guys was um, my experience has just been like, you know, it, it was very much, uh, I don't see, there's, there's an arrogance about how they approach it with being like, oh, we have the best, we have this, we have that. And it was a lot more about them than it was about me. Right. Mm -hmm. And these guys I have in Pakistan, they're like, hey, Miro, look, what do you need? How can we package this for you? We have 400 formulas. We have access to 3,000 different products. Which product mix do you want to start with? Like, like it, was, it was more about, okay, how can we be successful together? And it's been really interesting because as, as I've grown my business, they're like, hey, we, we are okay with you going to other, like, I'm the exclusive agent for North America. But they say, look, anywhere else you want to go in the world, we got your back. You want it shipped. You want it packaged. Whatever you need, because we've got we've developed a good relationship over the last twelve years. There's a lot of trust there, right? And my volume has gone up too. I mean, I started off with you know I place an order, I place a small order every two years, right? There was oh a small, wow! There was a bigger order every year, right? And, and now I'm ordering like you know fifteen, twenty thousand pounds at a time. Like I'm getting pretty much a full container on a pretty regular basis, right? And that's something that you you mentioned is that you know supplier relationships are really important. And when you found a few suppliers in India, you said that there was kind of an arrogance, and it was like almost like they didn't want to work with you. Like you had to kind of sell yourself to them. And that's how that was for me in the U.S. because one of my products is made in the U.S. and it was very hard to get a supplier in the U.S. You really have to like get them on your team, you know, and it's, it's very, because it, there's only so much room on the factory floor, right? right. Um, but I always tell people that even when you're dealing with China or any supplier anywhere, like those relationships are so important. Um, someone posted in one of the groups this morning, they said, you know, sh when should I negotiate an MOQ? Should it be before I get a sample or after? And I said, 
Um, well, first of all, you don't want to negotiate an MOQ, like what supplier wants to work with someone that, you know, how little can I order from you? Right. And, right. and it should, should never be about that. But then the second thing is like, take the time to have a conversation, like reach out before you ask for samples, reach out and have a conversation so that you know that this is a good partner for you, that they're actually going to want to work with you because how horrible would it be to get a sample? And yeah, it's a great sample, but this is a terrible partner, you know? So I love that you mentioned, like I reached out to these guys and it just was good vibes from the very beginning. It was a good partnership. Now, as far as other products, like, do you know anything about other products that are made in Pakistan? Uh, um, I, I know Pakistan has a very strong textile market. I know they do huge business in towels, sheets. Um, I also know that um, they do a lot of leather goods. Uh, they're, uh, you know, they do sporting equipment, soccer balls, that kind of stuff. Like, they have a good manufacturing base. Um, one of the things I can talk about, too, is, is you know, we talk about pricing, right? Mm -hmm. Like when my guys came on, when I first started working with them, their pricing was really low, right? Because like, let's be honest, like, any kind of supplement stuff, there's generally room in there, but my pricing is, is really low. And at the same time, like I'm, I, I'm, I'm like, I, I pay attention to stuff. I know that the Pakistani currency has dropped by 30, 40% against the US dollar over the last five years, right? they have not i've not asked for a decrease in the price and they haven't you know the guy kind of mentioned he goes mirror goes you're gonna squeeze the price. i'm not gonna squeeze you guys on price the price i'm paying for my products is a fair price i'm getting a top tier product i get what i want how i want it i'm okay paying the price because to be honest with you like my material cost is incidental to my packaging and everything else right so i'm okay paying the price because it's a fair price and still leaves me a lot of room on the table right like I wrote a, I wrote a rant uh, a few, few months ago. I put it on Facebook. I don't know if you saw it or not. Basically saying, hey, you know what? Be a good customer. You know, don't sit there and squeeze the crap out of every single deal. Where the guy's like, why should we do this? We're not going to make any money on it, right? Mm -hmm. So you, it's got to go both ways. So you want a good supplier, but you also want to be a good customer. Yeah, it you know, needs to be good for them. I'm always it, reminding reminding my suppliers, you know, like, hey, I, I do need this price. Like, this is my target price. But at the same time, like, I need to make money. But I also want you to make money. I need both of us to be happy in this situation, right? And I need our customers to be happy, right? So how can we work together? Like, let's figure it out. If If this price doesn't work for you at this level of this product, is there anything we can do? Like... Can we change out a material and still keep the same quality? Let's work together and figure it out, you know, because I agree. It, it has to be a situation where everybody's making money and, and because otherwise who's going to want to work for you, well, right? Well, well, it's like I had um, I had an episode a few weeks ago. I use a small contract warehouse and it's a small operation. They have like four or five employees, right? They do my fulfillment for me. And I introduced a new task for them where they're sending some inventory to Amazon or Walmart for me. And the guy's like, well, we'll just bill you, you know, an hourly rate. Thank you, Tim. Uh, bill you an hourly rate for this, whatever else, right? And I'm like, you're underbilling me. He goes, what? I said, you are underbilling me for the service. He goes, well, char you're charging me by the hour, but that hourly rate you're charging me, you're not including your overhead, your your air conditioning, electricity and stuff. I said, you got to charge me more and let's do it on a per piece basis. 
And I'm not doing that because, oh, I'm a sweet guy and I'm all kumbaya. Mm. I'm like, I want these guys when I pick up a phone call, they're eager to talk to me. Hey, Miro, what can we do for you? Right? Right. Yeah. You um, want it to be a true partnership. I, I do. Like what happened is our operations were grown and we don't have a forklift. We don't have a warehouse. So we used to get shipments into our parking lot. Okay. They drop off 50 pallets. Then we would unload 50 pallets by hand into our office facility. Then we have to break up all the pallets. It was it was like a day project where there was like 10 of us out there just killing ourselves, right? So I dumped this job onto my warehouse. And now they receive it because they have, they have a warehouse. They pick up the forklift, put it on the shelf. They charged me 200 bucks. And it was like, it's saving like a day of hell of just having crap scattered everywhere and making a mess. Right. And right. that kind of stuff. So absolutely build the relationships, be nice, not being nice because, oh, kumbaya, we love business. Hey, it's good business. Yes, exactly. I love that. Partnerships are so important. You want to be there for the long run. So what about finding these suppliers? So you mentioned a lot of different great products from Pakistan, textiles, stuff like that. Tori asked, do they have a trade show? Is there a supplier database that you know of? Um, Ali mentioned um, that... I'm guessing, Ali, you may be from Pakistan, um, that there's a couple of trade shows, but nothing substantial happened lately because of obviously COVID. Nobody's been going to trade shows um, and it's really hard to, to throw off, um, uh, to, to throw a trade show digitally in some countries. So do you know of any supplier databases or anything? Uh, my suggestion would be, it sounds kind of goofy. Like in the US, the Chamber of Commerce is really just like a, sometimes they're even for profit. They're basically just loose organizations of businesses, right? But over there, the trade organizations, they're an important thing. Like they're really, like it's a very prestigious thing to be members of these communities. So I would say go after the trade associations in Pakistan and look through their list and also, you know, find out what you can. Um, a favorite comment I have is, hey, look, the internet, it's not just for dirty pictures anymore, okay? <laughs> you can look up other stuff, right? Uh, and my suppliers did not have a slick website, but I'm doing the math. Like, they've been in business for 50 years. Mm -hmm. You know, they had a really good reputation, a lot of distribution. I'm thinking, these guys are not focusing on their web presence. They're focusing on building products. So if you see somebody that's running, like, you know, if you look somebody up and their, and their website looks like it was last updated and, like, you know, <laughs> 92 don't don't run away from that because that tells you that these guys may not be focusing on their web presence and if they were maybe they wouldn't need you right exactly yeah so in this case you know one of my little hacks whenever i get messages from people on linkedin you know hawking their services as i say send me your website and i'll judge you based on that and then we'll be in touch if i'm interested and that that usually that gets rid of 90 percent of them right but um in this case i think you're right you know the, even really good manufacturers that i found in china they don't necessarily have great websites and and that's okay because if i can get on the phone with them get on a, even a video chat and have them show me around and have a good relationship and a good conversation like you said if they've been in business for 50 years and they're really good at what they do they're going to be a good partner for you, hopefully. So that's that's really a great tip to look up trade organizations. Don't be afraid to Google it. Don't be afraid to pick up uh, the phone and talk to other you like you did with homeopathic providers and say, hey, where are you finding this stuff? 
really just reach out and get into your industry and find out what's going on. I love that. That is a really great thing. So the other hack that you gave, Mira, which I thought was gold, is you said that your um, your supplier, they shipped you the product, but it was in really terrible packaging that just wasn't good. So my, I have a couple of questions for you there. I love that you took advantage of repackaging and rebranding the products here to be more appealing um, to a U.S. customer base, but also that you didn't let that stop you from sourcing. So my question would be, um, I know in China, it's kind of a one-stop shop, right? Like we can go to one supplier and they're going to have a printing supplier. They're going to have a packaging supplier and you can kind of get everything done at one factory. Well, that might not be the case in Pakistan, right? They might not have as much in paper or packaging goods. Um, so was there a reason that you didn't go to your supplier in Pakistan and ask them to now do your packaging? Was it just not available to you or was it just easier to package in the U.S.? Well, what happens is because the FDA regulations in supplements changes, like it's so dynamic, right? Something I could have said last month, I can't say anymore, right? You got to make certain claims and diseases, certain things you can, can and can't do. And what we found was we needed that ability to adapt to the market. Like, let me give you an example. We had a product for teething, for babies' teething products, right? And one of our competitors ended up putting a herb in it that was actually harmful to people, right? So the FDA came down like a giant hammer and said, you know, you can't have any more teething products, right? They actually took my teething products out of my shipment and they put it to a landfill and they had a guy in a hazmat suit on a bulldozer run it over, okay? Like, this is kind of what we deal with. It's really crazy. And oh my gosh. Uh, so that product now is kind of creeping out a little bit, but now they're calling it oral pain. It's the same product, same formulation, but now it's got a different name. So we have to have that ability to really, um, you know, change our packaging on the fly and what we do. And we, having that in-house is very good. Like, it's kind of funny because, because I'm doing the packaging here, we've created a whole white label business and we're actually a wholesale supplier to other people that want to do supplements, both for humans and animals. And some of our um, animal people are just just crushing it. I got one lady who's doing like over a million a year in her second year. Wow. Yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy. So what, what we did kind of as a starting point to improve our products appeal and packaging has kind of become a safeguard for the business. We're able to, to pivot more quickly and just created a whole new business line for us. We're acting as a wholesale supplier. So what you think is kind of a, a negative at first turns out to be a positive. Because now you're able to white label your products to others yep. and you're able to create additional um, streams of income for your business, which is so cool. Um, and you've essentially become a supplier. So, exactly. I mean, that is an incredible opportunity and something for all of us to think about. Think about all the different ways that you can source from many different places and think about, you know, there's lots of printing capability right here in the US. There's lots of packaging capability. There's no reason, or wherever you're from, there's no reason not to take advantage of that. Now, what about infrastructure? I know, you know, something that I learned about India um, is that the infrastructure is nothing like it is in China, right? Where when you <laughs> when you leave, when your products leave the factory in China, 
we can expect them to get to the nearby port pretty quickly with minimal interruption. Well, in India, they're having to drive quite a way over like dirt roads and you never know, something could get broken, something could get, you know, put in the, is it like that in Pakistan as well? It's a very mountainous region. Um, it's, it's maybe the roadways aren't as good. Is that a concern or something that people should be aware of when sourcing from Pakistan? Um, I, actually, the, the, the trans has actually been better for me than a lot of people in China because we haven't had the same kind of, like when, uh, when they're doing the, 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 the extra tariffs on China didn't affect me at all. Um, they have this big clog at, at the West Coast ports right now where all the ports are shut down, all the boats are sitting in the ocean waiting. Doesn't affect us because we're able to um, just, it come, my stuff comes in through New York, comes on the East Coast. It, it really has been a problem. Something a lot of people don't realize, like the biggest misconception of Pakistan is that some little dirt road country and they have a lot of like the fringes it's near Afghanistan and stuff. But the actual, like the, the capital and the big cities, like 80% of our pharmaceutical drugs are made in Pakistan. Like these guys have a very educated workforce, very high-end stuff. They've got infrastructure in place. Like my stuff gets on the truck, goes on the truck from Lahore, the capital. It goes to, uh, I can't remember the name of the port city. The port city, they put it in a queue. It goes on a boat. You know, the boat makes like 20 stops along the way. And I'm watching the boat. I don't know if anybody else, do you guys do this? Is You get the name of the ship and you watch the ship on the little map and where it goes. Do you guys do that? That is so much fun. <laughs> no, I've never done that before. No, but it, it sounds if, like fun. If you look up the name of the ship, there's these websites that actually track the ship for you, right? So sometimes when I'm out of stock, I'll be off the ship. I'm like, why is the ship stopped? Dude, come on, get come on, get <laughs> oh, going. Man. Oh no, I don't know that I need that in my life right now. Like <laughs> I shipped something, I shipped something from China January twentieth. I think it left, and it's I'm still waiting. It's no, so frustrating. Oh no, I can't. Is the ship? It's probably it's probably like sitting in port for a month now, you know, cause there's so many delays. So speaking of that, I, before we, before, cause I want to ask you about duties and stuff because, um, you know, um, we have this, this comment here from Aditya that says, when we source from outside, it just becomes too expensive. I'm guessing you're sourcing from Pakistan, uh, with the customs duty on top of what we already have, the Amazon referral fee, closing fee, shipping and packing fee. Yep. That makes sense. Um, and then uh, Ali says, small home-based industries are pretty good at providing limited quantities, including handicrafts. So you can source small quantities, which is another benefit of sourcing from um, countries like Pakistan and, and, um, and the like, right? Because you can source small things. So definitely check those out depending on your, what, your, what it is that you're sourcing. Um, so the question I have for you is you mentioned in your post, and this was like made my ears perk up. I was like, Ooh, wait a minute. Um, you said you don't pay the kind of tariffs that we pay um, coming from China, the 20, 25% tariffs. So talk to us about that. Like, how do you, first of all, set, do you just contact any old freight forwarder? Um, what about inspections and quality control? Let's let's talk through inspections, quality control, and then let's talk through some importing and import duties and stuff. So maybe we start with quality control because that's like the next step in the process, right? So normally before my products leave, 
I leave the country, leave the factory, I get them inspected to, you know, AQL standards. So what do you do, Miro? How do you get your stuff inspected? And how do you find inspectors in places like Pakistan? Mostly, I think positive. Um, <laughs> because because uh, Pakistan has a very mature pharmaceutical industry. Uh, that type of manufacturing is very closely regulated within Pakistan. They have good manufacturing practices. And the government has a very strong interest in making sure that everything is, you know, safe and proper as it should be, right? right? So inspection isn't really a thing that I do. I just don't feel it's necessary, right? Um, I've got a good trust in my supplier, and, and so far everything's just been like I've never. I, I, I think out of like, I'm gonna say millions of units, I've had maybe one or two where the seal was broken in transport. Like it really has been the, the quality has just been spectacular, right? Uh, so I haven't worried about quality. The next thing is the tariffs because of the political situation. The U.S. has has a lot of presence militarily in Pakistan, right? So I guess in order to butter, butter up the government, they provide like a preferred trade status to it. So depending on what you're, what you're bringing in, generally the tariffs are either nothing or they're very nominal. Uh, we used to be in a different category, and my tariffs would be like maybe a 1000 bucks on a $40,000 order. And now I think they're down to a couple hundred bucks. It's, just, it's, it's incidental to, to the cost of the product. Thanks for tuning in to part one of this episode. Join us every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Standard Time for live Q&A and bonus content after the recording at sellerroundtable.com. Sponsored by the ultimate software tool for Amazon sales and growth, sellerseo.com and amazingathome.com.